0: Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning in person on this beautiful day. If you're online with us wherever you are, welcome in the house this morning as well. Glad that you are here as we start a new series, which I think is timely for these days, called Faith and Doubt. You know, in reality, two things that we all have in common in this room here today is that all of us have a level of faith. And all of us struggle with doubt, right? And in reality, the way that we get to faith is typically through the avenue of doubt. You know, when GPS first came out on our phones, I doubted, and so did you, right? Either the lady or the man, whether, you know, They had an English accent or whatever you chose, right? They were telling you, turn here, and in your mind you're saying, No way, it looks like a neighborhood. No way. I mean, I'm going the way that like I typically go, or that I I think I need to go. And that was me, like always doubting, like (laughs) I can see it, right? And then I end up in this like dead end, or I'm in a field or something on my choice. And over time, by doubting, but then following, I trusted GPS. And like today, even though there's sometimes this like, oh, I don't know, I'm like, I'm just going to stick with it. Because it's more right than I am. (laughs) Often enough, right? I mean, that's just reality. Last night, we were in the Twin Cities helping our daughter and son-in-law in their triplex and that. And I took my truck down because they wanted to use it for the week. And so, at, you know, when we were going to leave about ten fifteen, they gave us their Subaru. And they said, "Well, there's not a lot of gas in there, but it says you have seventy miles, and that so you got seventy miles." So I'm thinking, "Well, it ain't seventy miles there?" So I think we should be all right. Well, I get in this Subaru and I turn it on in that, and there are two little bars by the E, like these two little bars, and I'm like, "That doesn't look like a lot of gas." At all, are you kidding me? You know, 10 15 at night, all that, and so we start driving that. But on the dash, it says you have 70 miles, you know, it's a fancy car, 70 miles, and so I'm watching in that. But, but you know, we're south of the cities before we even get through the Twin Cities, it goes down to one bar on E, one bar, and I'm thinking, and I'm I'm thinking, oh man, seriously, in that, but it still says you have 70 miles, and I'm like, okay. Do I trust the bars or do I trust you have 70 miles? So I'm like watching the bar. Well, I'm barely driving watching the bar, watching the seventy like, you know, well then it goes down to 60 miles. Okay, I still got 60 miles, but the bar. Well, we get to Blaine, and then and then the gas light comes on. Right? Yeah. But it still says you have fifty miles. And I'm like, all right, is it like, what do I trust? Right? I'm doubting and all that stuff, but it's it's late, you know, it's like Towards 11, because 35 was closed, you had to go all the way around to get on, you know, all that stuff, and I'm just I just want to get home, right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust this thing, see what happens, but I'm just like, the whole drive home, I'm just like, a mess, you know, that kind of thing, but I was like, and, and sure enough, we got to our driveway, and I still had 40 miles, it said, even though there was just one little bar, the gas light was on, and I'm like, what kind of system is this, Right? But we wrestle with that, right? This whole idea of having faith in something, but really doubting is it going to work? Does it work? That's, I mean, all of us in the room here this morning understand this this tension between faith and doubt. And so does the prophet of God, Habakkuk, in the Old Testament, the older part of the Bible, in the book of Habakkuk, that this prophet writes. Okay so when we look at this story of Habakkuk over this series what we see in Habakkuk is this remarkable section in all of scripture as it contains to this extended arm wrestling back and forth between Habakkuk and God when it comes to doubt and when it comes to Having faith, you know, as a kid, I was always arm wrestling. I had four older brothers, we would arm wrestle over like everything like who gets the TV, who gets the last bowl of lucky charms. You know, it's like, let's wrestle over it. Of course, I always lost. I mean, older brothers, right? And I just remember as a kid, like if it was the lunchroom or playground, or was there like, all right, let's wrestle, let's arm wrestle. I don't know if kids do that much anymore or not, I'm not sure, but. In reality, arm wrestling is a world sport. I mean, it's actually a world sport. I have a picture here of Dennis Simplantkov, and he's like one of the world uh, champions in arm wrestling. Go to this next picture here, and I know I'm, I'm showing you know, this stuff. But look at this guy's arm. His hand is twice the size of the average man's hand. His arm, I mean, his arm is the size of my waist. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy, right? His wrist is nine and a half inches like wide and like circum it's crazy. This guy's just like he's like the, the real Hulk, right? It's amazing, this guy. But me wrestling Dennis Simplankoff is really a picture of Habakkuk wrestling with God when it comes to faith and doubt. But the cool thing is, is that God is okay with it. God is okay with Habakkuk coming and arm wrestling with him over doubt and faith and and figuring things out. You know, in our story today, we see Habakkuk initiate this conversation, this arm wrestling with God based on his questioning of God's inaction in the world and his inaction in his own nation in Judah. I mean, so much evil thrived completely in the open, but God continually and strangely stayed silent in it. Where was he, Habakkuk wondered. How long would he allow this mess to continue? And we get this right now, don't we? We totally get this right now, because we are there. We're here in this story. You know, we don't get it like between Russia, Ukraine, hey, God, why don't you just come on in, straighten that thing out, send Russia home, give Ukraine, the little guy, you know, the victory, God, what is up, right, with all of the school shootings now again, racial shootings now, church shootings now? Come on, God. Where are you? And Habakkuk is wondering this as well. And he's like, do something. And we are in that same place. And so we struggle with this faith and doubt and wonder. Now, before we throw Habakkuk under the bus, the Bible has a truckload of doubters and questioners, okay? I mean, Adam, Eve, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, David, John the Baptist, and the famous, you know, Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Every person in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus himself, Doubted, had their faith challenged. It was just part of the course. Let me read to you this picture in Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17. This is post resurrection okay so jesus lived with the disciples three years he died was buried he resurrected he had been seen by the disciples a few times before this and then it says then the 11 disciples went to galilee to the mountain where jesus had told them to go when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted what are you serious why did you add that in the bible if you want people to believe I mean, here's these 11 guys hung out with Jesus three years, saw the guy be crucified, buried in the ground, saw him raised on the third day, hung out with him. Now they're on this mountaintop before he gives them this great commission. And it says, but some doubted. That's like good news for us, isn't it? It's like sweet, you know, right? But it's right there. I mean, then right after this, he sends these same guys these doubters to go out and make disciples of all nations. I mean, he looks at these worshiping, doubting guys and says, hey, you go. You doubters, you go out, right? You go out and share the good news about me. The very news that, like, you're doubting right now, but go ahead and share it. It makes no sense, right? But what we get in this is that God is big enough and has given us room enough to doubt as we build our faith and trust in him. And we see this in Habakkuk's life and his arm wrestling with God in chapters one and two in the book of Habakkuk. And so we see right away in Habakkuk chapter one, that Habakkuk is arm wrestling with God. And we see Habakkuk's doubt, and he's, he's taking God on, and he's sort of taking, like, pushing God down, pushing his arm down, right? And he says to him, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing. Isn't that our question today? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And so Habakkuk is doubting God and he's he's arm wrestling with God. He's saying, hey, what about this? What about that? I mean, what's with all this evil? No justice. Where are you, right? And and he's like taking God down. It's like moving that, taking God down. But then we see God's response. God's down here. Now he's like, all right, buddy. All right. And he's saying, let's talk, let's look at faith. And he's like, uh, uh, right? Uh, uh, uh." And God responds. Hey, look at the nations, Habakkuk, and watch. And be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. And God goes on and he is explaining to Habakkuk that as he's arm wrestling them, hey, Habakkuk, have faith because I am gonna use the Babylonians, these ruthless, terrible, sinful people to bring judgment and discipline to the nation of Israel what Habakkuk doesn't like that answer and that's so Habakkuk's like oh yeah well and he's like all right (laughs) now we go back and he doubts again and he says Lord are you not everlasting my God my holy one you will never die you Lord have appointed them to execute judgment like are you kidding me you, my rock, have ordained them to punish us? Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous, these Babylonians? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Man, and so... so. Habakkuk's like pushing back on God down. He's like, are you serious? The Babylonians who are less righteous, more sinful. I mean, they capture people and treat them like animals. He goes on and says, they wipe them out and you're going to use them over us, your people. We're so much more righteous than they are. Yeah, we're not perfect, but hey, we're so much more righteous than they are. And he's like, I can't believe it. And so he's arm wrestling them back down. But then we see God again saying, okay, all right, faith, Habakkuk, faith. And there's this struggle back. And God then in chapter two responds, right? And he says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. So God is saying, hey, I'm going to do this. It's going to take place. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And then he says in verse four, see the enemy is puffed up His desires are not upright. So God understands Babylon and that they're evil and all that, but he is going to use them to correct Israel and their heart and their focus on God. He's disciplining them through another people. So he's wrestling them back, right? And then he says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. And so he's challenging Habakkuk and he's saying, hey, Be faithful. Trust me in this, Habakkuk. Trust me in this. And so we see this wrestling back and forth where Habakkuk's like, what are you doing? I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. Have faith, Habakkuk. Have faith. This is what's going on. Are you kidding me? We do that, don't we? We, I mean, like not physically, but maybe you should try it sometime with God when you're wrestling. I don't know. But we do that. And, And so that's the picture we get back and forth, back and forth. And so we see this back and forth arm wrestling between Habakkuk and God. You know, we see, you know, doubt, faith, doubt, faith, right? I like what one author said about this. He said, doubt isn't some sinful lapse from unwavering faith. It's actually built into it. So there's this process, right? There is this natural arm wrestling of doubt and and faith. Okay, and then then now there's doubt and there's faith. And that's part of our life. And that's what grows our faith when we actually doubt and we seek God in that process. And so what is it this morning that you are arm wrestling God about right now? Because I guarantee you, every one of us in the room is arm-wrestling God at some point. What is in your life that has you doubting him? What has been challenging your faith right now? I mean, maybe it's a health issue, some news you received. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's an unanswered prayer that like, hey, God, I have been wrestling in prayer And you have not yet answered. Maybe it just is about these senseless shootings and, like, God, where are you? You are like sovereign in this. I mean, it could just be finances right now as, you know, gas prices go up, inflation goes up, and it's got you on the edge a little bit. What is it? And the reality is, it's okay. God is okay with our. Doubt with our desire to arm wrestle him. Because when we doubt, our faith has opportunity to grow, to move, to see God. And as we get into the book of Habakkuk over these next weeks, we are going to see the journey of Habakkuk arm-wrestling with God, doubt, faith, doubt, faith, but how it moves his faith to a greater place where the righteous will live by faith, even though we don't see everything, right? Even though we don't see everything. In John Ortberg's book, Faith and Doubt, he shares a story about the French philosopher and mathematician physicist Blaise Pascal, and, you know, over his years of denying God, of of wrestling with God in doubt, right, and and the challenge of faith, but he writes this, he says, when French philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal died, a piece of paper was found sewn in his cloak He had written it nine years earlier on Monday, November 3rd, 1654. Before then, he had been wildly successful and deeply unhappy. On that Monday night, he met God. People knew that Pascal had changed. One day, he had been drowning in confusion, wrestling with God. The next, he was free of it. One day, he had been unhappy with his life, and there was a change in his soul. He was disgusted with the world, himself, but something transformed. One of the main indicators with that was that he started to make his own bed. He began to rely less and less on his servants. He became one of the servants. But Pascal never told anyone about his night of fire, never breathed a word. No one would have ever known except after Pascal died. His nephew and a servant were sorting through Pascal's clothing when the servant found what he thought was extra padding. It turned out to be a piece of crumpled up parchment with a faded piece of paper. Pascal had sewn it into his clothes so that he could wear it next to his heart. These were the words he had penned. Fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ. Forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. Not a God of philosophers and of the learned. Grandeur of the human soul. Joy, 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 tears of joy. In Pascal's arm wrestling with God, his doubting, and through that, it became faith and understanding and freedom and peace. Forgiveness in Jesus Christ. This is the story of Habakkuk. And I think in reality, this is our story as well, if we're honest. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love that last line who earnestly seek him, right? Who wrestle after him, who arm wrestle him back and forth, back and forth, right? That's what earnestly seeking is. Trying to figure it out. Look at that. But as we do that, he reveals himself. Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So bring your doubt, bring your questioning. Let's arm wrestle back and forth. And I would say that he rewards those who earnestly arm wrestle with him. And so my assignment for you This day or this week in your life is to take your doubt and to continue to bring it before your God and arm wrestle with him, doubt, and allow him to say, but let's talk about faith. Well, doubt, faith. And come to a greater place of your faith in Jesus Christ. Me included. Me included. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you allow us to doubt. You allow us to get in your grill. You allow us to clinch your hand and to try to get your arm on the table. And in, in all that, you bring us to a greater place of understanding you, a greater place of faith. And Lord, we need it today. We need it today because we have doubts on all kinds of things. And we need to know you more. And so I pray this over each one here today, that we would hook up with you and arm wrestle. And in that, you would grow our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.